everyone and welcome back to finding my voice i'm so excited to have another podcast out for you guys i know i know i know i know my schedule is horrible but i do have three other podcasts in the works right now but i had to press pause on those three because i wanted to do this one first with that being said i want to put out a trigger warning for today's topic because it may be triggering and emotional for some of our listeners tuning in with us today so i advise you to continue listening at your own discretion today's topic will be about sexual assault including rape abuse and any type of sexual violence and another reason why i wanted to put out this podcast first is because i actually have something that i want to go ahead and get started with and i want to share that all with you by the end of this podcast because i'm very excited for it and i hope that it's a good start for my school mercy university so yes that would mean you would have to listen to the entire podcast to get to that information or you could always just skip to the very end and i would never know And one last thing before we jump right into our topic, I apologize in advance for how I sound. I am a little sick, but like I said, I did not want to wait until I felt better because I want to get started on this super exciting project. Not even really project, just something that I want to do at the very end of this episode and once it's released. So let's just get right into it. What really inspired me to push this podcast above the other three was an interaction that I had with two separate friends. I went to go and see the first friend because I haven't seen her all summer and we wanted to catch up. And in the middle of us catching up, she starts telling me a hashtag me too story. And if you don't know what the hashtag me too is, it's a social movement against sexual abuse and it focuses on the experiences of sexual violence survivors. So as I'm listening her tell me her story, my heart is literally breaking because I'm thinking, how can someone so sweet and so kind have something so horrible happen to her? Why would someone do something so horrible to her? You know, like I got angry, I was sad. I didn't know what to do in that moment. I literally just wanted to grab her and take all of her pain away. So the very next day, like literally the very next day, I went to go see one of my other friends. And by the end of the night, she starts telling me another Me Too story and I burst into tears like this, this can't be happening right now. Like all these people that I love and that I care about, people that I hold closest to my heart, they've suffered through something so horrible. In that moment, I wanted to do something. I didn't know what it was going to be, but I wanted to do something. Like, if I could, I would grab the largest blanket and I would wrap everyone that I love and that I care about and I would hold them close to me and I would hold them tight and I would cover them from any harm from the outside world. Because y'all, the world is scary. Like, it doesn't matter how good of a person you are. It doesn't matter how nice you are. It doesn't matter because bad things can still happen to you. Just like the California crash with that one girl going what seems like 300 miles per hour onto oncoming traffic and killing five to six people. You could do something as simple as driving or walking down the street and something bad will still happen to you regardless of how good of a person you are. Life is so unfair. It doesn't make any sense. 
After having these two encounters with my friends, I go back to my room and I burst into tears because I am hurt and I am heartbroken and I am angry and I am sad and I'm feeling so many emotions all at once because one, my friends have suffered through something so horrible and two, my own emotions and my own feelings are coming back up from the times that I've been assaulted and I, I just, I didn't know what to do. I was releasing all those emotions all at once and I felt so helpless in a place where I wanted to help the most. That is why, my friends, I have some very exciting news I wanna share. And I probably should have mentioned that this news is more so for my Mercer students, but of course, I wouldn't mind anyone else using it. But that information will be revealed at the very end of this episode. Let's move on. So now I wanna to talk to you guys about the basics, like what is sexual assault, what is rape, and all that. So I got all this information from RAIN, which stands for Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network. It is the nation's largest anti-sexual violence organization, and they actually created and operate the National Sexual Assault Hotline, which is 800-656-4673. What is sexual assault? Sexual assault is sexual contact or behavior that occurs without explicit consent of the victim. Now, I'm not gonna use the word victim because I feel like it's used in a negative way. Like, I've been through something horrible or I suffered through something horrible. You know, it focuses on the weakness of the person. It shines a light on their weakness. Like, oh hey, I'm damaged or oh hey, I'm broken. You know, and I prefer to say survivor because I feel like it represents strength. It represents how you were able to overcome something. It's a more positive term and it gives other people hope. Moving forward, so sexual assault can be anything from attempted rape, fondling or unwanted sexual touching, forcing a survivor to perform sexual acts such as oral sex, and penetration of the victim's body. Now, what is rape? Rape is a form of sexual assault, but not all sexual assault is rape. And I think that's very important to note because a lot of people will think, oh, well, I wasn't raped, so I wasn't assaulted, but that's not true. Sexual assault can look like many different things. For example, if you're at a party and someone is touching all up on you and you don't really want them touching you, that's sexual assault. Let's say you're at a gas station and someone says, excuse me, and pushes their whole body onto you or grabs you in places you don't want to be grabbed, that's sexual assault. Or even if a past lover, someone you're no longer connected with, randomly comes up to you, or maybe not randomly, maybe y'all are sitting down talking or whatever, and he randomly kisses you, he or she, he or she randomly kisses you, that's sexual assault. Rape specifically includes penetration without consent. Now, the FBI defines it as penetration, no matter how slight, of the vagina or anus with any body part or object, or oral penetration by a sex organ of another person without the consent of the survivor. Now, this is a little random, but I was watching an episode of Love Island, the UK version, because I love hearing their British accents, and they were doing like this trivia game night or whatever, and I think 
one of the questions was like how often do men think about sex and so the men it was the men versus the women okay so the men they were like you know thinking of answers or whatever and they came up with an hour and 30 minutes so every hour and 30 minutes a man thinks about sex i think the woman said something along the lines of every 30 minutes every 20 minutes something like that and so they were both wrong the answer was every seven seconds do you know how crazy that is like every seven seconds a man is thinking about sex it literally blows my mind because how can someone think of sex so often how how it's actually quite disgusting when you think about it because you can literally sit there and talk to a man for like an hour and then you realize that every seven seconds of that hour you were talking to him he was thinking about sex not necessarily with you but it's just the fact that he was still thinking about sex now obviously i know every man is not like that it's not going to be accurate for every single person it's just the on average but anyways moving on now let's talk about force what is that it does not always refer to physical pressure perpetrators may use stuff like emotional coercion psychological force manipulation and threats threats can be something such as oh i'm gonna hurt you or oh i'm gonna hurt your family or any other intimidation tactic honestly they'll somehow use these tactics to convince you to have sexual intercourse with them or do any type of sexual activity They'll even say something like, oh, if you don't do this, I'll break up with you or any other strategy where they know you have a weakness. They will try and use that against you. Who are the perpetrators? So it's actually crazy to say this, but usually most sexual assaults are committed by someone that the survivor knows. And statistically, to get down to the statistics, it's actually eight out of 10 sexual assaults are committed by someone that the survivor knows. And this can be intimate partners, um, people that you know you're in a relationship with. Um, this can be acquaintance rape, which is also known as date rape. This can be anyone from a classmate to a neighbor, to a friend's significant other, to mutual friends, to your friend's fiance's brother. Like it can literally be anybody, okay? And I know I've said this before, but Please remember that someone that you've dated in the past or, you know, someone that you, let's say, had sex with before in the past does not give them the right or does not give consent for increased or continued sexual contact. Aside from assaults happening from people that you know, there can also be stranger rapes and there's three different categories for these. So the first one is a blitz sexual assault. It is when a perpetrator quickly and brutally assaults a survivor with no prior contact, which usually happens at night in a public place. So maybe at a club or leaving the club if you're by yourself, something like that. The second one is contact sexual assault, which is when a predator contacts a survivor and tries to gain their trust by flirting, then luring them to their car and trying some way to coerce the survivor into a situation where the sexual assault will occur. This could be someone who sees you at a bar sitting by yourself, gives you a drink, you know, it's flirty, all this and that, hits you with the, you wanna come home with me tonight, or something to get you in the car, or I'll take you home, I'll drive you home, and then happens after that. 
And then the third one is a home invasion sexual assault, which is when a stranger breaks into the survivor's home and commits the assault. Like I said, y'all, the world is a very scary place and it's even scarier for women. Like the things we have to do to keep ourselves safe, the things we have to do to stay out of trouble. Like, ugh, I'm, I'm sick of it. Literally, I'm sick. I'm literally sick of it. <laughs> some sexual assault statistics from 2019 because I really like looking at statistics it really helps put things in perspective and it helps you see just how many just how much and just how often certain things occur so I hope it does for me nope said that wrong so I hope it does for y'all what it does for me there we go quick little commercial break i honestly have no idea why i always do that if i've ever been in a conversation with you like to my friends or even my family i do that all the time i always say things backwards it's so weird like i don't know what's wrong with me it makes me feel like i have some sort of dyslexia because i always say things wrong the first time like i say it flipped and then i fix it it's just why can't i get it right the first time you know anyways another commercial break back to what we were talking about so sexual assaults are the most prevalent crimes in the united states but they are also the most underreported and i will get to why a little later now when we talk about rape we're not only talking about women because rape can happen amongst men amongst children amongst disabled people amongst members of the lgbtq community it can happen to any and everybody so we're first going to start off with the woman to start us off 90 percent of adult rape survivors are female so yes they are not the only ones who get raped but they are the most common 41.8 percent of women in the united states have encountered sexual violence other than rape so any other form of sexual assault as i've mentioned before which could include things such as fondling or unwanted sexual touching and things like that. Nearly 80% of female survivors have experienced one or more completed rape before the age of 25. And that statistic scares me a little bit because I'm only 21 and most of my friends are either the same age as me or a little younger and like I said, if I could cover them all up and protect them from the world, I would, but unfortunately, that's not possible. In 2019, over 1.5 million women were raped by an intimate partner. Now, a lot of women think just because he's my boyfriend or he's my husband, you know, it's not considered rape because, oh, we've done this before, or oh, we've already, you know, had sex, we've already had oral, we've already kissed, we've already done all of this. But none of that matters because if you didn't want to do something in that moment, then it is considered rape or sexual assault. Consent is still necessary in relationships and in marriages, you know. If you say no, your partner should respect that. If you say nothing, your partner should take that as no and respect that. And you know, a lot of guys will say, oh, well, but she didn't say anything, so I didn't know it wasn't okay. If she's not saying anything, then how are you even comfortable enough to proceed doing with what you're doing? It, it doesn't make sense to me. Like, where where is the logic, you know? 
I'm about to get personal on y'all real quick, so get, give, give me a second, give me a second. In a lot of the stories that I've heard from my friends or that I've read online, and even from personal experience, I know that sometimes we tend to freeze up. And it's like in that moment, we can't say anything, we can't move a muscle, we're just there, blink. Like something that we don't want to happen is about to happen to us. Now, the scariest thing I will say is before the whole situation occurs, before the whole assault occurs, you're sitting in the room, it's just the two of you, and you know, you start thinking to yourself, you're like, how can I get myself out of this situation? You know, like, what can I do? Who can I call? Who's gonna walk through that door and distract him? What kind of distraction is gonna come up? Where is my out? And you slowly start to realize that there is no out, there is no escape, and you're just stuck there. And when you finally come to that realization, you feel so hopeless. Like there is absolutely nothing I can do to get out of this situation. And then the scary thought comes in your mind, the scariest possible thought. You say to yourself, I'm about to be raped, or he's about to hurt me, or he's going to assault me in some shape, way, or form. And once that thought creeps up in your mind, you do freeze up, you do go blank, you do go silent, which is why men should never take silence as yes. I don't care how many times you have to ask, I don't care how you have to ask it, just ask in any way, like, oh, is this okay? Oh, do you want to do this? Oh, are you okay? Anything to get some sort of head nod or a yes, or I want to do this, but not this. Just please, please get consent. I don't care if you've known this person six years. I don't care if you've been with this person for two months. I don't care if you just met this person on day one. Always ask for consent. It's not that hard. One more thing about consent, always make sure that the two of you are sober when you get consent to doing anything sexual, and that does not count if you guys decide to get drunk later that night, but she told you yes earlier in the day, but now she's drunk off her butt, you do not need to be pursuing any sexual activity until she is sober again. Even if while she is drunk, she's still telling you she wants to do it, do not do it. Do not do it because she's not going to remember in the morning and you'd rather be safe than sorry, right? So let's just have some nice, safe, consensual, sober sex, sexual activity, anything of the sorts, and nothing under the influence. Women who are between 12 and 34 are at the highest risk of encounter for sexual assault. That's about 69% of women who get raped. Moving on to men. In the United States, 24.1% of men have been the survivors of sexual violence, and this statistic does not include any men that are inside of any prison facility. This is specifically for people that are outside of any prison facility because we know there are a lot of men who get sexually assaulted inside of a prison facility. I just said prison facility so many times. There are over 27.8% of male survivors who experienced their first assault before the age of 10. Now, I always hate statistics about little kids, you know, children, people between the ages of literally zero, zero in age, you know, newborn, newborn to like, you know, teenagers even. Like, 
really the whole range it just it hurts it hurts in a different way honestly but most men don't even consider what happened to them as a young boy as assault because they don't really understand it they're not really able to understand much of what happened and because a lot of men are reluctant to even talk about their emotions or their feelings or anything they're not really able to understand why they act a certain way or why they do things a certain way you know because they haven't really mentally processed what happened to them or even acknowledging it in the first place so i'm asking all men out there listening right now this message is for you i want you to go get help go go to therapy or honestly talk to anyone that you trust so that you can heal that inner child and see how much your life can change after processing and healing members of the lgbtq community do experience higher risk when compared to other groups of people transgender college students are five percent more likely to get raped than other students and bisexual women are more than twice as likely to become survivors of rape than straight women so the ratio between bisexual women compared to straight women is 46 percent to 17 percent and they found that it's basically the same between bisexual men when compared to straight men so the ratio for that is 47% to 21%. Now, the last thing that I wanted to talk to you all about is the difference between guilt and shame and how survivors usually start feeling these two different feelings after their attack has occurred. So guilt, I'm going to start off with the definition. It is the feeling of responsibility or remorse for some offense, crime, or wrongdoing of some sort. And so survivors usually feel guilty because to them, they feel like they did something wrong to cause them being assaulted. So thoughts such as, if I wasn't so drunk, this wouldn't have happened, or if I wasn't wearing this dress, he wouldn't have approached me or I knew I shouldn't have been alone with him. So they're basically thinking in their head that their actions are what caused the assault. But that is not the case at all because it doesn't matter what you were wearing. It doesn't matter how drunk you were. It doesn't matter that you were alone with him because you didn't ask for any of that. You should not be feeling guilty. The only person feeling guilty or should be feeling guilty is your attacker. And that feeling of guilt can kind of eat away at you because you kind of stay stuck in this, in all of these like what ifs, like what if I did this or what if I did this differently. You try to think of what you possibly could have done differently for your attack to not happen to you. And that can honestly drive someone insane and bring you down and make you feel worse about yourself. Now, shame is the painful feeling of having done or experienced something dishonorable, improper, or foolish. Earlier, I told you all that most sexual assaults are not reported. And the reason behind that is because survivors are shameful of what happened to them, and that is what prevents them from speaking out. Feeling shameful to a survivor is basically an attack on that survivor as a person. Thoughts such as, I'm a bad person because this happened to me, or I'm a disgusting person because this happened to me, thoughts like that will start running through their heads, 
and it only brings you more and more down. Again, shame is for the rapist, not the survivor, to feel. It is not you who needs to feel shameful or guilty of what happened to you. People tend to think that guilt and shame are one and the same, like they're basically the same thing, but that's not true because guilt focuses more on the action of the self, whereas shame focuses on the totality of the self. So to feel shameful is to attack yourself as a person and who you are, and it makes you think that someone else will think poorly of you simply because you were assaulted, but you need to remember that that is not your fault. What happened to you was not because of anything that you did or because of anything that you said or because of anything that you wore. It's not on you. And I wish I could tell every survivor that. I wish I could install it in their brains so that they will know that it is not their fault. I am a survivor. And I am here to tell you that you survive too. You are strong. You are loved. You are brave. You are courageous. You are not what happened to you. You deserve peace and you deserve justice and i know that sometimes it is scary and it is hard and it is painful to speak out and it's much much harder to even report because only 19 percent of rapes are reported annually it is a scary process and even if you don't want to report it is important to talk about what happened to you to anyone honestly because your story matters and I know it's hard to believe in our justice system because a lot of perpetrators do get to walk away. To be exact, for every 1,000 rapes in the United States, 995 perpetrators will go unpunished. And honestly, that statistic is haunting. A lot of women will start to file for legal action and then they will get scared down the line and drop all charges. Even without taking legal action, it is still important to use our voices because we will not be silenced. We've been silent long enough and it is important to inspire others with our stories and to let them know that there is some sort of comfort and peace in sharing your story with others. So I hope that I have inspired someone out there either to talk about what happened to them or start a healing process with themselves, or even if you wish to push for legal action against your attacker. I wanna say that I love everyone out there and I hope that everyone is staying safe as best as they can. And if I could take everyone's pain and traumatic experiences away, I would in a heartbeat. With all that being said, I did tell you guys that I have some exciting news that I want to share with my Mercer students. So I have officially started a Instagram page called mu.survivors and I want people at Mercer to share their stories anonymously of course and I will post them for everyone to see, everyone who follows or everyone who reposts or sense of their friends or whatever i just want everyone on this campus to stay safe and know who to stay away from and you know us girls talk so we we know we know who to stay away from most of the time and it's so crazy because we'll be like oh i'm gonna go see so-and-so but i don't want to go alone because i'm scared of him so can you come with me 
you know just simple things like that like us girls we know but i just want everyone else on this campus to know because i'm so sick again literally sick <laughs> of hearing the same story over and over again because it breaks my heart and i just can't take it anymore so i'm tired of staying silent i'm tired of not doing anything and i'm sick of them getting away with it every single time so i'm using my voice for those of you who can't and i'm giving you guys a platform to share your own story because originally i wanted to come on here and name every abuser and every rapist and every attacker by name but i realized that it's not my story to tell and i want to give everyone out there their chance to tell their own story and their chance to get their own voice back because i know how much can be taken away from you when an attack occurs or happens to you and how much that can bring you down so i'm hoping that this can uplift people in many ways and inspire you to share your story and trust me with sharing your story as well. Tough conversation today guys, but thank you all for pulling through and I know this episode ran a bit longer than my usual ones, but I appreciate every single one of you and I do this for y'all. So thank you for listening. Bye.